If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll be considering chapter 4, verses 14 through 21 this morning. Now, those of us here who are fathers and mothers and parents, you know that there's much God has called you to do and much that He has called you to be. And among those various things that God has called you to do and to be certainly includes these two words, discipline and instruction. So every parent, if you're a parent here, you know that's not easy, (laughs) but it's right. The call for you to admonish your children for their good with this mixture of all these things, this mixture of discipline, instruction in the Lord, and even one other vital ingredient, one not to be missed, a reaffirmation of your love for them. And in doing all that is right. Otherwise, you have the discipline, you have the instruction in the Lord without the reaffirmation of love for your children. If that's not the case, this admonishment is just this weight that can so easily just overwhelm and even crush your children. Where they just carry this burden of distance between you and between them where there is no reconciliation, all they've had is discipline, instruction, there's no peace between you and them, and all they find from you are debts. Which, as you hear that, I'm sure you probably are thinking of another sort of thing as well called the gospel. (laughs) We're very similarly... We look at the gospel where outside of Christ, that is exactly what our experience is. We do have that distance where there is no reconciliation, there is no peace, and all you have are debts. But in Christ, indeed, there is reconciliation, there is peace, and now all your debts have been forgiven, and you are what? You are a child of God. Well, your children, they may or may not be saved, but they are your children. They are your beloved children. And from that heart before God, what do you do? You admonish them. You say things like, my dear child, it's because I love you that I discipline you and I instruct you in the Lord. Now, there's no doubt for any of us, that admonishment can be a hard thing, even an overwhelming thing. Right? How many of you know that, that that can be overwhelming when you are admonished? Well, all of this, this talk about parenting and 
even admonishment as parents, as fathers, as mothers, relates to Paul's heart in our passage this morning. His heart as a spiritual father for his children, reassuring them of his fatherly care for them, for the Corinthians. And so he just rebuked them, and he did that rather severely. And so now, as their spiritual father, he moves to spur them on to be like Christ, rather than for them to be overwhelmed and undone in shame. And so to see this, let's read here, beginning with verse 14 of chapter 4. May the Lord be with us and His Spirit illuminate His Word for us this morning. The Word of God says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. This is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit? Of gentleness. Amen. Now, Paul knows how blunt his words were. His admonishment, it was right, it was needed, and it was appropriate. Yet, he also knew it would be hard. And the Corinthians might well be overwhelmed by what he said, questioning him, even questioning his intent. And so he just starkly called the Corinthians away from their view of godliness, this puffed up, kind of prideful, spiritual superiority. So in other words, he called them away from something that was no good. It was, was not helping them. It was harming them. Now, if you were here last week, it wasn't just the Corinthians that received that admonishment, right? We received that admonishment. And it was quite the correction for us as American Christians and what sort of spirituality we have been practicing, what sort of godliness we think is godliness. When we saw this Corinthian spirituality, and then Paul says, no to that. And we saw even last week that that Corinthian spirituality looks awfully similar to American Christian spirituality. 
And so as we saw then from chapter 4, verses 6 through 13, we are right to examine our view of the Christian faith. Is your faith more in tune with America and American spirituality and Christian spirituality, even with the Corinthian spirituality, or is it more in tune with Christ and Christ-centered spirituality? Is it a Christ-centered, cross-carrying godliness Or is it something else? Well, Paul, he continues here, right off of his strong words that he gave there, and he continues with a fatherly admonishment. A fatherly admonishment. Now, as we see this, we see Paul's big heart here. You know, how often we wrestle with giving correction as in like the manner that we give correction. It's so easy to just let anger or fear or impatience or inconvenience drive our tone and drive our delivery to others. You're being inconvenient to me. I don't like this. Get out of my way. And that can be from like within parenting or just in your workplace fellow employees. And so that's one side of it, that this can be so hard and we wrestle with giving correction. But then on the other side, we might just say to ourselves, well, it's so hard, I'm just not going to do it at all. It's just too much. I don't want to go in there and correct someone and then I fly off the handle, you know? And I just smack them in the face or we, something else happens. So I'm not going to do anything. However, we can learn from Paul here and we can learn much from Paul here. We see the the heartbeat of what his correction was born out of. And what was his heart? It was born out of love. Out of love for the Corinthians. Paul, he knew it might sting, yet it was not aimed at shaming them but it was for their good. You see, when you are corrected by God, when you are corrected by His Word, or you are corrected by other brothers or sisters in the Lord, God is concerned with His children's sanctification. He is concerned with your spiritual transformation. Even as... Paul said there in Colossians chapter 1 that Tyler read from a moment ago that he may present everyone mature in Christ. And so Paul here, he wasn't trying to just catch them, right? Got you. (laughs) Showed you you're wrong. Bam. That's not to be our heart of correction, admonishment with anybody. And he was not aiming to drive them to shame. That was not his goal here. He was genuinely concerned for their good in the Lord. And so in this admonishment, we see how he admonished them, his demeanor, and how did he 
admonished them. He admonished them like a father in Christ. Like a father in Christ. And so he admonishes them as though they are his beloved children. Beloved children. You see his words, they were born out of this fatherly heart and care for the Corinthians. Though they might have countless guides in Christ, Paul was the one God used. He was the agent through whom God used to bring them to faith in the Lord. And this is why Paul, he writes here in verse 15, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, Paul, he's not saying that out of any sort of like egotism here on his part. He is, as he said in chapter 2, It was through his spirit-empowered preaching that they came to faith in Christ. It was the spirit who gave them life, helped them to see the truth and the beauty and the glory of it. And then they gladly came to Christ as they were, though they had nothing, and they became children of God. And this is why Paul, he has this fatherly tone here. Now, it's right for us, as we see all this, to see something about fathers, too, here. It's natural to fathers in that they are right to admonish, even if it means their children might buck against their admonishment, against their correction. Fathers correct or are to correct out of this same demeanor, out of love. These are my beloved children. I love them, care for them. And so I'm going to aim, even if they push against me, even if it stings, I'm going to aim for my children's good. And so you, if you're a father here, that is to be your heart as you admonish your children. It's not to catch them. It's not to shame them. It's not so they'll walk around with this debt. I mean, maybe they don't know Christ and they still have that debt between them and God. Yes, but this debt between you and them. They just carry around everywhere they go. That's not your goal, to provide this distance between you and them. You're aiming to correct them out of love as your beloved children. And so for us and for the Corinthians, Paul, he makes plain why we need this admonishment, this fatherly admonishment. It's it, why we need it is it's a call to be like Christ. It's a call to be like Christ. And this is why he says, verse 16, I urge you then, be imitators of me. Now that's not hubris on Paul's part here. It's his aim, it's his pursuit, it's his passion to be like Christ. He says this very directly later in this letter in 1 Corinthians 11.1. He writes there, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And so that's why he says what he says here also. He wants that of them. He wants you. He wants us. He wants the Corinthians to be like Christ. 
And so also, this is why he sent Timothy to them. Timothy was dear to Paul. You know, like the Corinthians, Paul was the agent that God used for Timothy's conversion. So in sending Timothy, he would simply come, Timothy would, declaring Christ to them, declaring to the Corinthians, you want to know Paul's teaching? Be like Christ, Corinthians. So in that way, he was reminding them of Paul's ways, which is exactly what Paul taught in all the churches as well. Now, from this and seeing all this, this fatherly admonishment of Paul, we see a few things. First, we see a call for pastors to fatherly admonishment also. Now, as we've said before, pastors are not apostles, so get that clear in your head. If they go beyond the Word of God, they've gone beyond their authority. You need not follow, listen to that. Yet, at the same time, we do see here some overlapping implications. Pastors also have this kind of fatherly function towards their congregation. And this isn't about being superior than anybody or better than others. But before the Lord, they are called to care for the flock. They're called to shepherd the flock. They're called to exhort, to encourage, to correct, to warn, to build up, and to admonish. Under God's word, they are to have this demeanor, a fatherly care for the sheep, a fatherly care for you, Each one of you. Not as though they're above correction. You know, and as a, as a father myself, I know that's not the case. (laughs) You know, and if you're a father here, you know that too, right? I mean, there are times that I have needed to ask my children for forgiveness. And I would just set before you that as fathers, we need to have a correctability to us, even from our children. Now, I know that's a delicate balance there. And so we see that too. But daddy sin also. And as we do, we need to be a model of those who are not hoping in ourselves, but are hoping in Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ to our children. They need to see us humble ourselves when we have done wrong. And in that, they also learn how to humble themselves when they sin also. And so this is not about saying pastors are above correction. Yet fathers, they're called to discipline and they're called to instruct their children in the Lord. This can often mean they must go directly against the desires of their children out of care for their children. You know, I don't know of any child who just says, you know, I just love it when my parents discipline me. You know, there's just nothing like getting in trouble. I mean, I just love that. Can you give me more, mom, dad, please? I mean, have you ever encountered that as parents? 
No, right? I mean, you'll, you'll never hear that unless there's something drastically wrong. <laughs> Something's went off the rails there. But every good father knows. Even so, as it stings, as it's hard, it's for their good. You know, honestly, and I'm sure you parents here can say the same thing. Honestly, I'd rather be having fun and playing with or doing something else with my children. Where we can just have fun, talk, enjoy each other. But I know also I must embrace my role in disciplining and instructing them as well in the Lord. And you also, fathers. And in that same way, pastors are called to this sort of fatherly admonishment. Desiring their congregation's good, even as they themselves labor for their own sanctification and godliness in Christ. And so we see that. But we also see a call for all of us to follow the example of Christ. For all of us to follow the example of Christ. And so here we return back to last week's words. Now Paul's words last week might have overwhelmed you. Maybe you're even still reeling from his words last week. Now, maybe you weren't here last week. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'll tell you that in just a minute. But even so, even if you were overwhelmed, even if you were reeling from them, even if you're asking, how in the world do I live that out in America? You need to say, first and foremost, even so. I will take them up. I don't know how to flesh it out in all of its fullness, but I'm going to pursue it with all I am in Christ. And so we're to take heed to our own personal call as believers, as a church, to be defined by the cross. Which is getting at what Paul was talking about last week in the verses before. And so as you look back there in verses four, chapter 4, verses 9 through 13, what do we say Paul looked like? Well, he looked like Christ. And what did he say he was? This weak apostle, this suffering apostle, this needy apostle, reviled for living for Christ. And so we are being called, you are being called to be more like that. That's what he's saying. And that's what he said last week. You're to be more like Christ. You're to be more like him even now in 2023 America. As you hear that, It's not just a call to the hard things, which I think maybe we lean towards thinking. The persecution, the suffering, the weakness, the being reviled. It's not just that that he's calling us to. It's a call to be like Christ, to take up the cross of Christ as you wrestle with all sorts of things. 
as you wrestle with your sin in your heart. It is a call for you to take up the cross of Christ again and again and again. And I don't know, and I could probably say with some certainty, you wrestled with something this week, some sin this week. These desires that keep arising in you, what do I need to do with that, how do I overcome this sin in my heart that keeps coming back? It was gone five years. It was gone ten years. And now here it is again. It's back again. How do I wrestle? How do I fight these things? And the answer isn't exactly what Paul is saying here. It's in the cross of Christ. It's admitting the power is not found in me. It's not found in you. It's not found in us. It is found in Christ. In Him is the victory. Not in us at any point in our lives. This is why we need to hear this again and again. So often... We'll go to ourselves and our own flesh and say, well, I'm going to just beat this thing. And how so often, and you, you can tell me too, this, how often do you come away from that victorious? I mean, the answer is really never. We can't do this in our own power, friends. It is the cross of Christ again and again and again. And so will you take up the cross? And not just before a watching world, like persecution, suffering, revilement, but will you take up the cross for your life? For those thoughts that just keep coming. You have no idea where they're coming from. Will you take up the cross for those emotions, those temptations, those desires? Will you take up the cross? A cross to your sin and to self. And a cross not just to the Corinthians' false spirituality, but to any and all false spiritualities. And so it is we must take up the cross. As we come to these next verses, Paul, he ends this chapter. He began with fatherly admonishments. Well, he ends now with fatherly questions. Now, he hasn't left his fatherly demeanor behind here as we go into verses 18 through 21. But he certainly does shift directions a little bit here. He's transitioning into the next chapter to his next point, which he'll be making very soon. And if you know anything about 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it is a doozy. (laughs) So he is transitioning to that. Yet in these verses here, he's not there yet. So in verses 18 through 19, he addresses the arrogant and their power. The arrogant and their power. Now, I don't know if you know if you've met people like this, but these kind of people who are big talkers, right? 
I mean, they talk a big game. But then when it comes down to it, it's empty, right? That's what these arrogant people were. They were big talkers. Oh, that Paul, he is weak. I mean, look at his life. He's always going about reviled and persecuted. He even has to work with his own hands. We don't have to do that. I mean, we're rich. How pitiful is this guy? And they say all of that as though Paul is not coming. (laughs) And this is where Paul turns the tables on them. He says, verse 19, but I will come to you soon. You know, it's like that that guy or that girl who goes on talking about someone. You know, and they're talking about them behind their back kind of thing. And then as they're talking, everyone kind of gets quiet. Why? <laughs> because the person's standing behind them. And boom, there they are, hearing everything they said. Oops. And so Paul, he is saying, well, yeah, you thought I'm not coming. I'm coming. Yet even as he says that, though, note something here. It's somewhat in passing, but even here he just, he entrusts his plans to the Lord. Verse 19b, if the Lord wills. Now, it's not the main point that he's giving here, but just just see this. See Paul's Godward view of life. That as he lives, as he makes plans, as he thinks of the future, and as you live, and as you live your life, and you think about the future, and you do all these things, if the Lord wills. This kind of view of all of life with God being at the center, and it's all-encompassing, where your life is just before him, open-handed, saying, whatever you will, Lord. Whatever his plans might be, Paul's plans might be, he trusts the Lord with whatever may come. It's all in your hands, Lord. And then, when or if he comes to them, he'll see the arrogant and their power. (laughs) And by that, their power, he means... He'll see their lives. He'll see their godliness. If what flows out of them is the fruit of the Spirit, or is it the fruit of the flesh? And so he goes on here to contrast them, the arrogant in their power, with Paul and the kingdom of power. Now, in some ways, he's returning way back to his points from chapter 2, where he said in chapter 2, And I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, we, as believers... We're not to live by our own power. We're not to live by the wisdom of this age, by the flesh, but we're to live by the cross-centered, spirit-wrought power. 
a power that is grounded and founded upon the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of man. A power that is flowing from the word and the spirit of God in us. And so it is then that he ends with these fatherly questions here in verse 21. How would you have me come? With the rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Now, of course, if you know Hebrews chapter 12, this certainly brings this chapter to mind here. How God disciplines those he loves. His children. And if you are not disciplined, what does that mean? You're not his children. And so in asking them this, he's urging the arrogant among the Corinthians to repent. I know as a father myself, I love my children. You know, I enjoy coming to them and I just enjoy being with them. But this doesn't mean I'm not going to come to them with a rod as well. And this is our dual fatherly disposition. So as we hear all this, fatherly admonishment, fatherly questions, see lastly, this is a call for, for lives lived in accord with the kingdom. Lives lived in accord with the kingdom. Friends, our freedom is not found in sin. You need to hear that again and again. Your freedom is not found in your sin. It's not. That's a lie that's going to continually be pressed upon you angle after angle, but your freedom is not found in your sin. It is not found in arrogance. It's not found in worldly wisdom. It's not found in false spiritual superiority. It is found in Christ. It's found in the gospel. It's found in the cross. And so this is a call for you here. Some of you here who may be here and have yet to look to Christ. Maybe you've bought a worldly message, a dead spirituality, even a nominal faith, an empty well. Yet, in Christ is the wisdom of God. In Christ is a living spirituality. In, fi- in Christ is a real faith. In Christ is a well, not empty, but absolutely abounding and overflowing. And He can give you life today through His sin-atoning, debt-forgiving, life-giving, death, burial, and resurrection. And so if you're here and you're hearing all this, and you may have went to church your whole life, and you're realizing that you have walked and lived according to a faith that is no faith. Will you trust in Christ this morning? Or maybe you're here and you have 
never looked at Christ and you know it. Will you trust in Christ this morning? Will you give him your life today? Will you turn from sin and self, the bankrupt ways that you have made for yourself, and turn to the one who made you for himself? And friends, if you do that, he will save you. And this is true for you also who already know Christ. Have you been struggling with sin and self? What do you need to do? You need to flee to Christ. You need to flee to the cross. You need to flee from self to the Savior of your soul. Have you been fleeing from the cross and suffering, fleeing from spirit-wrought power found in Christ? Well, friend, flee no more. Take it up this morning. Live and be what you are. Receive the Lord's discipline today. However, He may be disciplining you this morning I want to encourage you in the spirit of Hebrews chapter 12, in the spirit of Paul's words here, kiss the rod and love the Savior. May you and we and all of us take up this call. Take up your call to the example of Christ and to the kingdom of Christ. In him... In his kingdom, friends, rest, rest, live, breathe, no longer be ashamed, but unashamedly live for the gospel that is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. And first we come and we just say thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the truth of the cross and your grace in sending your son Jesus to save us. And so we come with grateful hearts. We come with thankful hearts. And we come and we do say thank you. For the rod, Lord. It is hard and it does sting. But Lord, this morning we kiss the rod. We pray that if there's any sin in our lives this morning and we have wondered and we have labored, we have fought in our own strength, in our flesh, in our own power, today may we see the path forward is not found in us, it is found in Christ, in the cross of Christ. And so help us, Lord, to flee to him. Not to flee back to whatever it is we've been going to, but to run to our Lord, the one who has saved us, is saving us and will save us. Oh, Lord, we love you and we thank you for correcting us, working us today, and we pray For any here who perhaps don't know you, they have yet to put their faith in Christ. We pray 
that even now they would put their faith in you and cease trusting in broken cisterns, empty wells, things that cannot save. Father, we just lift up ourselves to you right now, every one of us, and pray, help us. Help us to take up the cross this morning and see it as wonderful, embracing it, loving it, and following you until you take us home. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.